Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Don Joseph Goey, and we're going to be talking about how he helps people understand and quiet anxiety and stress in their lives. Before we begin, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator that wants to create more tactical content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions to see how we can help you create that content in a more efficient manner. Don, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you very much for having me. I am super excited to have this conversation with you because there are so many amazing aspects of your journey that we're really going to unpack. And before we get going into that, I want to give the audience the opportunity just to learn a little bit about you, where you are the director of the Center for Spiritual Exchange, the official archive for the works of Anthony DeMello, regarded as one of the great spiritual minds of the 20th century, influencing the likes of Eckhart Tolle and Thomas More. I'm going to pronounce all this as best as I can. Um, Don, you recently edited a new book published by Simon and Schuster entitled Stop Fixing Yourself, A Wake Up All is Well, based on Anthony DeMello's Practical Spirituality. You're also the author of The End of Stress, Four Steps Rewiring Your Brain. And overall, you've really committed your life to helping people understand and quiet stress, anxiety, navigating life's challenges more creatively, and live happier, more fulfilled lives. That is truly incredible, Don. And before we unpack all of that, give us a fun fact or something we might not know about you that the audience can uh, can learn today. Well, a fun fact about me is that uh, um, I don't know. I used to be a carpenter. I actually started out as a carpenter, and uh, it's, uh, it was hard work. Carpentry is really hard work. In fact, when I left it to go back to college, somebody asked me, "Why did you leave it?" And I said, "I just began to understand why Jesus left it. It's really, really." And back in those days, you know, it was all hand tools. So a lot of people are surprised that uh, that I was that and you know it it produces the a honey-do list for my wife quite often <laughs> sends me out there to fix things you know it's funny my dad actually grew up uh, or when I was growing up my dad owned a renovations company so I grew up doing a lot of carpentry myself and I'm with you I get why Jesus left it because that is back-breaking work my friend breaking work our hats off to all of you carpenters and laborers and plumbers and electricians out there thank you for everything you do for us Absolutely. And, and Don, I, I really want to get into this conversation because I think there's so much that the audience can learn from you about stress, anxiety, and overcoming these things that we really let anchor us down. And um, really, I, I'd love to dive into this conversation by highlighting how you kind of see what a what makes a great leader. Is there a, a trait or a characteristic that you love seeing in a leader that kind of outlines one that's really going to make some impact? Yeah, it, it, it would be, first thing I always look for uh, with somebody like that is their wonderful head, their brilliant head connected to their heart. And so are they, as a result of that, are they able to be authentic and be real with people? And are they able to be kind and patient with the process and trust the process as it moves forward? Um, keeps people from, from being authoritarian fascistic in, in the way they lead. And, um, you know, the research is really clear that 
those kind of leaders, those that possess that kind of emotional intelligence are the ones that succeed. And I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with emotional intelligence. That's something that I talk about a lot. And I think is one of those soft skills that's really undervalued or, or underutilized by individuals and, and leaders in positions. And that really kind of highlights an overall level of awareness and, and trying to find that fulfillment within. And, and you mentioned a quote by Tony Robbins right before we started recording, talking about success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure in life. Can you expand a little bit on that for the audience? Yeah, well, you know, we are programmed from the time you know, we, we enter the, the uh, treadmill to, to succeed, to be success in life, you know? And, um, and we're taught that, you know, if you work hard, um, you'll succeed. And out of that, happiness will come. Well, if you've been in my line of work where you're coaching people, um, particularly in, in the realm of leadership, around age 40, 45, people show up and they've been successful in their life at whatever level, but uh, happiness has eluded them. Um, peace has eluded them. Um, they're, they're relationships aren't as fulfilling, aren't as loving as, as they could have been. Their whole focus has been on, uh, you know, making their mark in the outside world. And, um, and they, they really recognize that, uh, you know, the success was important, but their happiness, their peace of mind, their loving relationships is actually more important. That's what they're out there doing it for, to, you know, to provide a roof over the heads of the people they love to have a fulfilling life. And so the, at that point, they, they need to reevaluate what, what they're doing. And most often too, people come to regard stress as something that's happening to them. It's a, it's a function of the circumstances, it's a function of the set of problems that they're dealing with. And uh, you know, ne- the research in neuroscience is it's well established that it's, it's happening in you. It's a function of your attitude. Stressors, problems um, are, you know, they're neutral. What The way in which you come into relationship with them will determine whether or not that problem becomes a challenge that ignites your creativity to move forward and solve it, solve it um, based on what you're reaching for, or whether you respond anxiously, fearfully, um, stressfully to it. And so, you know, at, when we hit this midlife crisis, it, it really is a challenge to change our direction and not terms of change of our direction in our career, change our direction personally. Stop focusing so much on the outside and turn around and come in. What's going on with you on the inside? And that's what Tony DeMello's work, Anthony DeMello's work is all about, is how to make that shift, that turnaround in direction. And out of that, and in a relatively short period of time, quality of your life, um, spiritually, psychologically, can change enormously. And I'd imagine, I mean, all of that is huge, right? That's a really deep topic. And it's a lot that we all need in a greater capacity than we allow it to service normally. But a lot of times there are life events that happen to or for us that kind of start outlining this different awakening and awareness. I would imagine there's something in your life that has kind of shifted this for you as well. Can you share that with the audience? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, you, you talked at the at the opening that, you know, I'm, I'm doing this work, working with people and, um, you know, 
people often ask me, how did I come to this work? You know, starting out as a carpenter, then uh, in management, I worked at Stanford University in the medical school for a number of years. And I came to it, the work I'm doing now, the hard way. I came to, uh, uh, to a, a result of a brain tumor. Years ago, I experienced what I have come to call my perfect storm of stress. I, you know, I lost this executive level position at Stanford Medical School that I had devoted at least a decade climbing the career ladder to reach. And, and then nine days later, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that the doctors said, you know, could leave me seriously disabled, potentially unable to ever work again. And at the time I was married, had four kids, my mar and my marriage was in trouble because like so many people, my focus was on my career working long hours, coming home late. Um, so suddenly, because of these two events, losing my job and, and being diagnosed, suddenly my life was coming apart at the seams. And it seemed that there was nothing that I could do to stop this catastrophe. Well, I had uh, to wait about six weeks for the brain surgery in that the first two weeks were, were emotionally painful, as you can imagine, you know, every night, I, I can laugh at it now, but I, it wasn't funny then. You know, every night I would wake up three in the morning, stare out the window into the cold, dark night, terrified at what was going to happen to me and my family. Um, you know, we were we were potentially going to become homeless. And then one night, two weeks into this, I reached this point where I really began to question what was worse, the, the dire problems the doctors predicted that might happen to me in the future, or the abject fear that was happening to me every day that was closing my heart, that was painting me into a really tight corner emotionally. And that was, that was going on all day long for that whole two weeks. So the answer was pretty obvious to me, fear was worse. The bone chilling fear I experienced, you know, it was consuming me. It was depleting the strength that I was gonna need to get through all of this. So. For the next half hour, I used the process I had learned, but uh, from actually one of the America's great psychologists, Carl Rogers, that that matches what Tony DeMello is talking about, which we'll get to later. But I'd learned, I, I'd learned it from Carl Rogers, but I never used it much. And what it involved was being diligently aware of every fearful, painful thing that, you know, I was thinking. And how that, how that pain, those painful thoughts were turning into my emotional state. Um, and to be willing to feel it, be willing to get in touch with, with all of that, all of those feelings that are, that are so painful. And I, and, um, I thought naively, well, if I did this, things would, would instantly get better. Well, it, the truth of the matter is, uh, it got worse, it swelled. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, um, it, it became a kind of thing that, that I had to ride. It was like this big, huge wave. Imagine if you're a surfer and you, know, you jump up on that wave and once that wave gets going, there's no turning back, you gotta ride it. And so I did, I had no choice but to, to ride it. And, but to my amazement, um, what happened was it passed. You know, there was a certain point where all of that emotional turmoil collapsed and it, I passed into this kind of open space. You know, everything passes in this world. 
especially emotions. They pass faster than anything. And there I was in the quiet of my own being. And I realized this is where I needed to be. I needed to find my way to this present moment and be present in it and quiet in it and stop believing all of these gloom and doom thoughts that I, that I was having. And so, you know, a few minutes later after that uh, opening, the fearful thoughts started coming back. And this time I, I did the same thing. I embraced them, but it, it, it wasn't as dramatic, the, the emotional upheaval. Until about an hour into it, as the thoughts would come up, I could dismiss them, you know, and I knew that, that, that I was onto something because, you know, when I looked out that window, when I first came into the room at three in the morning, you know, it looked like oblivion was waiting for me outside that window. And when I looked out this time, I could see the, the, the moonlight shimmering on the trees. It, it almost felt as if the night was sacred. And that moment was sacred. And so I made up my mind right then and there that that's the way I was going to approach this surgery. That's the way I was going to approach finding another job. And um, for the next few weeks, that's what I did. I had to go back to Stanford and to get my golden parachute, finish up a project nobody else could do. And when I went back there, I, I noticed that the way I was going about things was less stressful. And I was actually getting more things done. And my relationships with people was much more positive. And um, there were people that I thought that were my enemies. And, and I began to recognize this, this is something I've made up in my head. You know, I don't need any enemies and I don't need to perceive anybody in a negative way. And um, when I showed up for um, surgery, I was in a very confident state of mind and willing to accept whatever the outcome was. I was, I was kind of in a state of bliss and the surgery was a, a complete success. And actually the surgeon um, made medical history at the time. He, he had a special technique for removing this, this tumor and it really worked. And the other part of it was I got my job back. I, not in that department, but in another department, a part more suited for me, the Department of Psychiatry, the chairman of the Department of Psychiatry had heard about this uh, executive who had faced this enormous adversity and had done it with this, this powerful, positive attitude. And he, he called me up and he invited me to interview with him and he invited me to come in to the department. He said, we need somebody with your attitude in this godforsaken department. And it changed my life. I, I stayed in that department for another for a few more years. And then one day I just decided, you know, this not my life's work. My life's work is uh, working with people. And at that time, the AIDS epidemic was at its height in, um, in San Francisco. And so I went and worked in that. And I eventually ended up at a place called the Center for Attitudinal Healing, which had pioneered an approach to helping people overcome catastrophic life events. We worked with some of the most stressful events anybody ever goes through with people facing life-threatening illnesses, parents who'd lost children, uh, prisoners uh, serving life sentences. The US State Department sent us into Croatia and Bosnia um, to work with refugees during that genocidal war. Uh, people who were just, their post-traumatic stress was, was incredibly high. And, um, 
And eventually the Center for Attitude and Healing was awarded the Excellence in Medicine Award at, um, from the American Medical Association. And I, I was there for 12 years and afterwards I took this approach and brought it out into uh, corporations to help people deal with the stress that's so endemic to workplace now, the pressure is really high so that people could begin to transcend that stress from the inside and uh, enrich their, their work life and also leave, leave the job at the end of the day and show up at their home for their, for their spouses, their partners, their children, you know, to be the guy or the woman that the family's hoping is going to come through the door instead of some stressed out, withdrawn person who's, you know, somewhat angry. And so eventually what happened was I got hired to help, uh, help the Center for Spiritual Exchange bring uh, Anthony DeMello's message forward. And it was a message that I, I knew about Anthony DeMello. He'd been a big influence on me before. And I was delighted to help in any way I could to, to bring him to more and more people. And, you know, DeMello, DeMello is still very popular in the world. He's trans, his books are translated into a couple of dozen countries. He sold more than 2 million books. He has a big impact on people. And that's something I'd love to draw on a little bit more because you were you're really talking about uh, kind of a combination of spiritual awakening and mental awakening that kind of allows you to show up more available. And a big piece that you said that I really liked is you can, if you implement this type of mindset into the negativity throughout the day, you're able to like show up home, show up at home more available, show up more willing and available in different relationships. And that really kind of goes back to this work-life balance hot topic, if you will, that a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs seem to fail at and, and not really be able to recognize what that balance is. And I, I know a big piece, um, Tim Ferriss, who's a, another huge podcaster, um, he raves about Anthony DeMello's work and, and says it gave him an extended afterglow of inner peace where it really helped him find that calm um, can you dive into that just a little bit more about showing up available for people and, and the capacity with that kind of that awakening? You know, there's a huge body of research. I mean, a mountain of research that shows that the quality of your life experience, your, your total life experience from birth to death um, is determined by the quality of your relationships with people. And uh, it's, it's the number one factor that determines how long you live and how well you live. And it also is a number one factor in how successful you are. I mean, how many times do you hear pe business people say that sales is all about relationships? You know, it's not about convincing anybody of anything. It's about making a connection with people um, where, where what it is, where, where you're coming from is trustworthy. You know, it's, it, you're, you're communicating in a way that, that people get you. And, you know, one of the big problems that uh, this with, work-life balance is that people are unhappy. You know, stress is the opposite of happiness. You know, it's hard to find a completely happy person. It, it, uh, it's only about 4% of the population. And the irony is we know now that people were born happy. You know, when science wants to see what is, what, what, what's the elements of our human nature, they look at children and, you know, children, 
if, if you watch children, I, in fact, I invite everybody to do that. When you're around children, watch them. Watch their curiosity. Watch their happiness. Watch their state of wonder. But we we lose that. So, you know, we're, we were born happy, but we become trapped in limited thinking. Um, we get programmed into seeking our happiness outside of ourselves. We are born with an open heart that stress and fear so so easily close. We're born gifted. People, we're born of immeasurable worth, but we often feel like we're not good enough. That you know we're shame based. And um, you know what what all the mystics will tell you is that there is a divinity of joy within us and surrounding us that we, if we could get in contact with it would make our lives meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we become blocked from seeing it. Um, Anthony DeMello talks about it's almost as if, you know, the, the social conditioning that we've been subjected to is like we've been dragged up on stage to put in front of a magician who hypnotized us to see what's not there and not to see what is there, the beauty and the joy and the loveliness that's there. And so, you know, the question becomes, well, how did that happen to us? How did we get hypnotized in this way? And it, it got programmed into us. Society programmed um, that joy, that happiness, that state of wonder, that ability to be at peace, the ability to feel connected to all that is. Um, it, it stamped into us the belief that happiness and self-worth are found out there in the world. And if we look, you know, we work hard and long enough success is going to come and out of that happiness and fulfillment will follow and you know we've all swallowed that formula and you know 10 years into it we realize that success come doesn't come from the outside world it comes from within me that's what that whole awakening i had around having a brain tumor so you know like like uh, tony robbins says uh success without uh fulfillment is failing at living so waking up is the realization that contrary to what society has stamped into your head, into your brain, nothing but absolutely nothing of the world can make us happy. You know, success isn't unimportant, of course, but success is not the same as fulfillment. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. Happiness doesn't come from the world, not the radiant happiness of a child, you know, that's constant, that makes you smile for no reason. Happiness comes from within you. And that's, that's why uh, the, you know, the greatest challenge we face every day and throughout our lives is a spiritual challenge. And that's really an, an interesting piece because it kind of draws back to external validation, always seeking that validation from those outside influences. And in this world, in this society with millennials, my generation and Gen Zers, you know, we grew up on social media. We grew up on putting forth that perfect image of what is right or what is really not but we want to project this image is, is there something you would say to that young adult that's really just tied up in that external validation seeking happiness and and how they can go about finding happiness within themselves i i really think the, the first place to start is to recognize that you're not broken you're not some problem to be solved you're okay and if there's a problem, it's the way you were programmed to believe that without something or some person or some outcome or result or success, you can't be happy. And it's a false belief. There's nothing more important than being happy. 
That's what everybody in the world wants, even if they're unconscious to it. If you talk to a parent um, they, and ask them, what do you want most for your children? Well, they want, they want their children to be happy in whatever they're doing. So it, we have to begin to understand that the, the reason we're blocking this, this natural state of happiness, this natural state of peace that's within us, it's sort of like, you know, they used to put stamp on computers, the Intel inside. Used to, Intel uh, had that, that little saying, well, you have an Intel inside you. And it, it vibrates at the level of happiness. And you can block it. You block it with stress. You block it with fear. You block it with this false belief that without, you know, something out there in the world, some, something you're attached to, you can't be happy. You can be happy right now. Even if your life's a mess, you can be happy. You don't acquire or earn happiness or peace. You have it already. So all you got to do, and it's, you know, it's, that's kind of uh, understating it, all you have to do. But what you, what you need to do is to drop the false belief uh, that, that you, you need to prove something uh, to be happy. And the struggle with the world drops. Uh, your fear of failure drops. And what you will find, like I talked about in my story, you know, where I, I got in touch with all of that fear and anxiety and gloom and doom that was emotionally uh, blocking me. And it, I allowed it to pass. And where I ended up was in a place where, where peace and a sense of happiness and a feeling of optimism arose all by itself. And then what you discover in that moment is that every moment all is well because you are, even if things remain a mess, all is well, you know, and for, for most of the mystics, when they talk about your life being a mess, they're not talking about, you know, are you out of debt? Uh, are you, uh, you know, progressing along your career trajectory? They're talking about, are you in emotional upheaval that's brought, blocking this essential nature inside of you? And so the, the challenge isn't to do something. The challenge really is to drop something. And it's getting in touch with that programming that happened to you. And the way in which you get in touch with that programming that happened to you is you got to open to it. You got you to bring it into awareness. And that's such a, a difficult thing to do for so many people. And, and a lot of times, kind of like with your journey, it, it takes that shift in life. Um, for me, it was a deployment to Afghanistan before that awareness really started awakening into different aspects of, of the world. And um, I kind of drew it back into uh, be more grateful, right? Having the gratefulness and putting forth, starting with that, that gratefulness of different things that I now appreciate in a different, totally different capacity, right? Um, life and time and, and even small things like a roof over your head or, or food to eat for the day. I mean, a lot of people need that shift, um, unfortunately, before they start recognizing that. Have you seen a, a way to kind of kickstart that, to open that awareness up where you don't need like a traumatic life event for something to get yourself going? No, you don't. Although, you know, things that, that cause you suffering are, are, you can change your attitude towards those as well. You can look at them as a, a tap on the shoulder from the universe for you to wake up and to, to, to look at what's really going on. You know, awareness is not, difficult. What makes it difficult is we don't want to feel the, the distress we're in. We don't want to feel the disconnection we feel. 
you know, we want to turn it into, you know, we want to maybe turn it into a, a, a positive thought, but that doesn't, that doesn't really change anything. Um, what we want to do is to, to go around it and you can't go around it. You, you can spend a whole lifetime go around it. And, and what you'll end up going around is back, right, ending up in this place where you started before, which is distressed. So what I advise people to do as they approach awareness, let me go through the process of, of what how awareness works. Is it's very simple steps. And I think the very first step is don't be afraid of being afraid or uh, just allow yourself to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Just let it happen and just kind of surrender for a moment to what's going on. And the first thing you need to do is you need to get in touch with the negative feelings that are going on you, the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the insecurity, the hurt feelings, you know, the judgments and anger you feel towards other people. Let them up, look at them, get close to them. And, and yes, it will be painful as it comes up. Just don't be afraid of being afraid of what you're feeling. That's a good, a good place to start. Um, and these negative feelings, you know, you, you, you discover you're usually not aware of them. Um, until they get really strong, but they're operating in the background. You know, they're like this fog that descends over your life and you tend to want to push them away or repress them. So the second step, so you get in touch with those. The second step is to acknowledge that these negative feelings, they're in you. Like I was saying, stress, you know, neuroscientists and stress isn't happening to you, it's happening in you. So these negative feelings are in you, they're not in reality. You know, reality is pretty neutral. Um, you know, we had this big rainstorm that came through the San Francisco Bay Area this weekend, and I had a picnic plan with my family. And I, I noticed as I was looking out at the rain, um, I was feeling kind of angry at the rain. And I thought, well, the rain didn't do anything. This the rain isn't making me angry. I'm making myself angry. The rain is neutral. You know, rain comes, sunshine comes. But so you, 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 have to, you have to own it. This is happening in me. You got programmed to react in an upsetting way. And that's where you need to look to solve the problem. So tell yourself, this is happening. These negative feelings are in me, not in reality. And um, the next step is not to define yourself, your essential self in terms of those feelings. Don't say, I am depressed. Your brain takes that literally. Or to say, um, I am uh, afraid or I am stressed. So you can say something like, my experience is, is stress right now, or stress is there right now, fear is there right now. Um, you're, you know, when you say I am, I am fearful or I am stressed, you're defining yourself in terms of that feeling, and that's your illusion, that's your mistake. In no way does that feeling define you or affect your essential self. You know, it's like when you throw black paint into the air. Does the air remain uncontaminated? It does. You never color the air black. No matter what happens to you, you remain uncontaminated. And you will begin to see that as, this, as these feelings pass. So if there's depression right there right now, stress there right now, worry there right now, let it be, leave it alone. It'll pass. Like I said, everything passes, especially emotions. And then be, observe the negativity non-judgmentally, you know, without condemning yourself for it. So many people do that. What's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. You've been programmed to this. It's not your fault. Understand that society programmed you that way. And then the fourth place 
the fourth step, excuse me, is to remember everything passes. Everything passes, especially emotions. So there you are in the middle of your torment and at some time, at point in it, it will pass and it will leave you in this spacious place. You're free, now you're free. You're free to choose a different experience of life. And in that moment, when it passes and you enter that free space, just be silent with yourself, be quiet inside of yourself. You know, just follow your breathing. And what you will see, what will happen is you will notice a feeling of joy, of happiness, of peace begins to arise all by itself without you having to do anything. And so that's what DeMello is talking about with this book about stop fixing yourself. You know, we've, we spend our whole lives trying to fix ourselves getting nowhere. There's nothing to fix. There's just becoming aware of what's blocking you in this very simple way using awareness. And you do this for, for two weeks and I guarantee you, your experience will different. You'll be different with people. You'll feel differently about your life. Stress won't, won't overwhelm you like it did before. Um, you're, and, you, and you'll discover this for yourself. That's where it matters it, when you discover it in your own experience and awareness will bring you to it. Man, I, Donna, I absolutely love every bit of that because it's so important and valuable for um, self-worth, self-love, self-care, um, in order to stop that self-sabotaging mentality that a lot of us get into where we don't feel like we're worthy or deserving of something because of that internal conflict. And I love the journey you're on. I love the mission you're on to bring this and, and DeMello's work more into the forefront in society. And I, I'm truly curious, overall, what is the legacy that you're wanting to leave on the world? Well, the legacy I'd like to, to leave the world is that... Um, when I had the opportunity to be loving instead of fearful, I chose to, to be loving. When I had the opportunity to, to be connected with another person and, uh, and, uh, as opposed to judging them, I chose to be connected. I chose to be compassionate about what that person was going, going through. And that, that I learned to be joyful, like, like, a child. You know, Pablo Picasso said, it took me four years to learn to paint like Raphael. And it took me a life, life, lifetime to learn to paint like a child. And the, you know, the older I get, the, the more I long for that sense of wonder. Um, so that, you know, now when I go out on a, I had this interesting experience the other day. I was, I'm, I'm writing another book, editing another book of De, for DeMello. And I was out on a long walk along San Francisco Bay. And I was thinking about all the pieces and things and this fits here and that should go there. And what about this and that? And I was, I can't remember what the, the, the spiritual principle was I was thinking about at the time, but it suddenly dawned on me that that spiritual principle has meaning to me. I'm, I'm sitting here analyzing it. What I need to do is open up to it. Where in my life do I need to apply this? And I had to laugh at myself, you know, I'm, we're so busy trying to accomplish things that we forget to accomplish the most important thing, which is to, to be that attitude that, that produces a change that, that changes everything. You know, people talk about this pandemic um, and 
how how do they deal with it? And you know, I give them the quote of Victor Frankl. If 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 you haven't read Victor Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Man's Search for Meaning, yeah, incredible book. And you know, he says when you find yourself in a situation you can't change, which was for him was being in Auschwitz, which for us is being in a pandemic. So you find yourself in a situation you can't change. You're challenged to change yourself. And that's a deep statement. And it's one we should ponder and reflect and meditate on. What does it mean to change myself? Well, if you go back to DeMello, what it means is to become aware of how you're blocking things inside of you. You know, you you beautifully talked about um, coming back home from Afghanistan and appreciating um, using using appreciation, using gratitude. You know, when I was coaching people during the 2008 uh, crash of the economy, uh, the people who made it, who made it through that, who kind of pulled their houses out of foreclosure, who got another job, were, were people who made the adjustment you were talking about. They, they got to the point where they were saying to themselves, today I got a roof over the head of my children. There's milk and, and other food in the, in the refrigerator. We're going to take it a day at a time. And they showed up for their interviews um, in, in a, you know, with that kind of attitude. You know, Tony DeMello says is that every moment of your life, you have everything you need to be happy. And the only reason you're ever unhappy is you're focusing on what you don't have as opposed to what you have right here, right now. Well, that's a, a dramatic shift in attitude, a, a dramatic shift in consciousness that, that you, you'll discover now I'm in a whole new world. Just like I discovered, you know, when I was my dark night of the soul there, when I was having that brain tumor, suddenly I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing a whole new world. And it was always there. I just wasn't looking at it because I was blocked. I was blocked by fear. And so if I have any legacy, um, it's that uh, I was somebody that really leaned into being grateful, leaned into um, trusting what, what God put in me, you know, innately gave to me, the gifts that he gave to me, which he gives to everybody. And you don't even have to call it God, the universe, nature. But I leaned into that, and and I and I uh, I endeavored to live uh, a loving life, and I gave up trying to be perfect and chose to be loving instead. I used to try to be perfect. It, it was a uh, I, I failed, but only a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that, Don, and it's such such a great way to to wrap up this episode and and really focusing on that leaning into gratefulness i think that's just so powerful and uh, i want to give the audience an opportunity to reach out connect find more of the content you're putting out there what would be the best way for them to find you they could find me at demellocenter.com and demello is spelled d-e-m-e-l-l-o and they can go to amazon and get the book Stop fixing yourself. Everything that we've been talking about and more is is in that book. It's it's uh, if you read the reviews that people have given it, Tony Tony's message, uh, you know, people say the confusion's gone. He made perfect sense to me. I can see my way uh, to what he's talking about. And everybody, we're all meant to see our way, our way home. And you know, one of the things I would also recommend to all of your, your viewers is that you know the 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 Buddha said the source of suffering in this world is 
due to attachments. You know, we're attached to without this person, without this thing, without this outcome, without this success, I cannot be happy. It's false belief. And so I invite people to make, put a piece, get a piece of paper and at the top put, I cannot be happy unless or until and start writing down all of your attachments. That's what defines an attachment. Attachment is something you believe you can't be happy without and write them all down and then reflect that this is why I'm stressed. This is why I'm suffering. I don't need any of these things to be happy. And it doesn't mean you don't pursue them, but you don't make a mistake of thinking that, you know, you could achieve every one of them and you know, deep in your heart, you, you, you could still, your, your mental programming, your brain's programming can still make you unhappy. So I invite everybody to do that. That's that's an eye-opening exercise to do. I, I can't even imagine. I think that's a, a great way to uh, wrap this up because I think that's a, just a powerful, powerful exercise. And Don, I want to thank you for your time and your wisdom today. And I also want to encourage the audience to come back this Friday for Tactical Friday to hear a little bit more of the action steps that Don's going to provide for us. Don, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does five to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com. 